0: Hey this is Kevin Weatherby say the cowboy I want you to tow that stirrup throw a leg over the kenne take a deep seat and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God Come on what you waiting on let's go um <laughs> years ago I had this friend and all he would talk about was was how much he wanted to be a cowboy. And, and I would go help him do little odd jobs. He'd pick up, you know, taking care of some cattle here and there. And But he just never had that opportunity growing up. But but he had this desire to just to be a working ranch cowboy. I'm not talking about n- nothing against the rodeo people. I'm not talking about a rodeo cowboy. He wanted to be a working ranch cowboy and he did all of the steps necessary, including he finally got the opportunity on a small place to, to go be a cowboy and he quit a really good job and and he went to work on this ranch and he was fulfilling his dream of being a cowboy and i was so excited for him and and uh, the, a couple of years after I, you know he this all happened and everything i got a phone call from him and and i said how are things going man he's like ah oh, you know they're they're good yeah, everything. I don't have no complaints except for. And then he went on for thirty minutes, and he said, he said, man, he said, I, you know what? I'm having kind of a hard time here because what they said I would be doing, and what I'm doing are two separate deals. And I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, I mean, I'm still taking care of the uh, of the cattle and everything, but you know, I, I've got to I've got to do the fencing, I've got to do the training, I've got to do the hauling, I've got to you know, change the water, I've got to, and he listed like 400 things, and he's like, and they promised me that they would do this, and they promised me that they would do that, and they promised me this, and they promised me that, and he said, I'm just about to quit because nothing is like I thought it would be, and I said, welcome to being a cowboy. Whenever I got to the San Pedro Ranch, they, get, they said, you get your own house. I got my own house. It was a house that they called the schoolhouse, and it was literally packed wall to wall with, uh, they used it as a storeroom, and I had to literally clear out a path through the living room to a little small bedroom, and my bed was four uh, by fours and a piece of plywood. That, that was the bed I threw my bedroll on. And, and I ended up finding a twin mattress way back in the back and took me half a day to get it out, but I got it out and put my bedroll on it. But they said, we'll provide your beef. Well, I didn't get provided beef whenever, whenever I went in there. Seriously, they said, man, the, the freezer is stocked. Y'all are going to think I'm joking. I'm not. I walked in there and I opened up the refrigerator and it was one of them old fridges that had the freezer on the bottom with the big wire rack. I opened up that freezer And there was a right hind quarter with the hair still on of a hog that they had shot. That was my food. And they're like, there's more where that came from. I was like, oh my gosh. So when my buddy called me, he was like, man, it ain't nothing like I had pictured. It's not. And I see some cowboys that have been there and done this before and they're grinning and they're, they're shaking their head and they're, you know, poking their wives and they're like, hey, you know, he said, man, I didn't know I was going to be working, you know, 16, 18 hours a day. And, and they said I could have, you know, Sundays off and I'm off on Sundays after I get done working. You know, and that's basically the way it is on these ranches. I mean, it is 24 hours a day, nonstop. You know, he figured out right quick that the cowboy lifestyle that he had in mind didn't quite match up to the cowboy way of life when you actually get there and do it. Being a new cowboy is hard. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, I mean, usually whenever you go day work and you help people and everything, you always got somebody there, but most of the time, a cowboy is a real solitary way of life. I mean, there's nobody there to help you. There's nobody there to help you, Dr., Dr. Yearlings. And there's nobody there to, to come help you when cattle get out. And I mean, it, it's just, it really is. It, it's a tough life. Being a new cowboy is hard. Well, you know, unfortunately, so is being a Christian. I'm in the middle of a sermon series right now called, Why Do We Struggle? Because unfortunately what happens is people think, oh, I'll give my life to God and all my problems will go away. They give their lives to God and life is hard and they don't understand why. When you become a cowboy, one of my favorite verses is found in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Just just listen. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. See, that, that, that's what we're talking about today is being a new creation and why that is so difficult and what can we expect and what do we get out of it. And, and, I, and I don't think that the, the only way to get it is to do it even if that wasn't available, but there are some rewards for it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come and the old has gone, the new is here. When you become a cowboy, the old is gone. The luxury of that eight to five job, Monday through Friday, with that air conditioned commute. I know it gets old, but when you're working out on a ranch, you know, your, your, your commute is air conditioned in the winter and heated during the summer. Okay? That, that, that's your AC and your heating unit. And, you know, when you, when you become a cowboy, th- there are no more snow days. I mean, you, you can't just you know, call, call the cows and say, hey, man, it's freaking cold out there. I won't be at work today. They can't bust their ice on their own. You've you got to go out there and do it for them. You know, a, a cowboy, I put this down, but I'm not so sure anymore. You're, not, you're probably not going to be playing on Facebook all day. But everybody's got a cell phone now, so that may not be the case. The old is gone. Money, time, energy. It's all gone. I mean, when you become a cowboy, whenever you leave that cush way of life and, and you move to a ranch and you start it, I mean, you become a new creation. You're going to be hot, you're going to be sunburnt, you're going to be sore, you're going to have blisters, you're going to have and, and on places that you really don't like, you've never had blisters before, you'll get blisters there too. But the new is here. The Bible says the old is gone and the new is here. The Gone is the luxury. The new is here. Whenever you become a Christian, you may forget all of that cush life of of money and materialistic things. When you start following God, the new is here. Well, what is the new? You know, whenever you become a Christian, you start finding favor in the eyes of God. See, and, and I'm not saying that God doesn't love people, but if you're not following Christ, you're not reaping the benefits of of God. You're, you're not really walking in His favor. I'm not saying that good things won't happen to you or, or anything like that, but you know, unless you're following Christ, you, you're not finding favor in the eyes of God. You're also, when you start following Christ, brand new, whether it's brand new for a day or this morning or for 20 years, you'll start receiving the reward of God. And the third thing is you'll start enjoying the first taste of all God has to offer. Those are three great things that you will will get. Now, I've told you that it's going to be hard, and I've told you that you'll get some good things. It's really worth it. But there's a vast middle part that we have to go over. So how do we get all these? What's the middle part? In Hebrews chapter 2, 10 and 11, okay? I don't mean chapter 2 through chapter 10 and 11. I'm talking about Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. It says this, "...in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God for whom and through whom everything exists should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what He suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters." That was a mouthful, was it not? I, I, I just I, I want to I read it to you one more time. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what He suffered. But the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family, so Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Now, you've got one question the same as I did. What? Because that, that is a bunch of hard stuff. So, so I didn't rewrite the Bible. I'm just, in my most imperfect form, I'm going to try to explain what that means right quick. It says, While bringing all his cowboys and cowgirls down the trail to heaven, it made sense that God, the one who, who everything was made for and who made everything, should make the trail guide to heaven perfect through what he suffered. In other words... Christ's suffering is what perfected him. Both the trail guide, Jesus, and those who follow are made perfect the same way. So Jesus isn't ashamed to call us cowboys and cowgirls. Now still, if you even need it more simple, how about this right here? If Jesus was perfected through suffering, who are we to think we won't be perfected in the same way? Think about that. Why do Christians suffer? Why is it hard? Because it is hard. But Jesus Himself went time and time again to explain why it's hard. He said, the the trail is wide that leads to destruction, but the trail to eternal life is narrow, and few find it. It, It's rough following God, but, but it's worth it. I've never met a cowboy that didn't look back on his hard, rough, suffering life and go, man, none of that was worth it, because people looked up to him. He was rewarded for all of that stuff out there in the snow and in the heat and and all of that. There there are life lessons that were learned and we are better people for it. Thank you. The trail to heaven is a hard and narrow path that everyone must travel, but the gate that used to be locked has now been opened with the key, which was the blood of an innocent perfection named Jesus. See, we're all on this trail... Well, at the end of the trail, the gate used to be locked and there was only one key. And when Jesus died and shed his blood for all of us, that gate was unlocked. We still have to travel that trail, but we don't have to die. Jesus died to unlock that gate for us because only his innocent, perfection, sinless blood could open it, not ours. But he opened it for us. But that does not mean that we don't have to go down the trail. So let's make sure everybody's caught up. We're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come, right? Everybody got that? We're no longer that, that Cush lifestyle. Now we're cowboying for God. We've left the luxurious city life that leads to death and struck out on the hard trail to heaven following Jesus. I mean, that, that's it. I mean, you think about when the people went west. I mean, they had guides that, that led them down the Oregon Trail and the, and, and the Texas Trail that led to heaven. And, uh, and... <laughs> <laughs> Not really. You see what I'm getting at. But you still had to travel. It was still hard, even though somebody was showing you the way. I mean, it was fraught with danger and everything. It's no different. They left all this convenience and struck out for something better. Does the Bible give us a glimpse of what this trail will look like and be like? I think it does. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 through 6... Paul, now I have to tell you what's going on here. Paul is in a prison cell in Rome. This is the last letter he's writing, and he's writing it to a young preacher named Timothy. And Paul has already been sentenced to death, and they're going to chop his head off. Okay? Now, when you realize that in the first of this, when he says, I am already being poured out like a drink offering. Think about the imagery of that. What's going to happen when they cut his head off? His blood is going to pour out. And he said, I'm, going to, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. He's writing this, and he's the last words that Paul says to Timothy, he's going to encourage him because he says, man, it is tough. Where we're going, it's tough, but it's all worth it. And then starting in verse 3, Paul says, listen to this, "...join with me in suffering." I mean, and a lot of times we, we, we picture suffering as, you know, gaunt and laid over and everything. But he just means, man, join with me on this hard journey because there's going to be a lot of people that want it, but there's only going to be a few of you that are strong enough and courageous enough to walk down it, to ride down it. He says, join with me in suffering. And then he says this, like a good soldier of Christ. See, he's trying to paint us a picture of what our life is. Is going to be like. And he's going to paint the picture it, three different pictures. So, so you, you know, maybe if you were a soldier, you always dreamed of being a soldier, or you had an idol that was a soldier, maybe this imagery right here, I think the reason he uses three different things is because the Holy Spirit knew that most people could identify with one of these three things. And the first thing he says is: join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. What the Bible says right there. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Being a soldier is hard, but Paul says you will know if you're a soldier if you no longer get involved in the drama of this world. See, the, what he means by civilian affairs is, is he's painting a parallel because we used to be in the world and, and we, we we lusted after things that money could buy and we did things so that people would, uh, so that we could have power and prestige and then we talked bad about people. Paul's saying a soldier doesn't do any of that stuff. He doesn't get involved in civilian affairs. The things that the world does, we no longer do because we are above that. We are not better than those people, but we have risen above that drama. Man, wouldn't this place, wouldn't our lives, wouldn't your life be better with all of that stinking drama that goes on all the time? Well, well, Paul's saying right here, if you're a new creation, if you're following Christ, you're going to rise above that drama. No longer are you going to talk smack about everybody or you're not going to listen to people talking bad about somebody else. You're just going to go out there and you are going to live for Christ. Why? Because you're trying to please God. Your commanding officer, your job is to live a disciplined life that pleases your commanding officer, who's God. God is the one telling us how to live our lives, what to do, how to do it. He's the one that's doing that, and we need to focus every bit of our energy on following Him and Him alone. When you please your commanding officer, you find favor in His eyes. I mean, that's what happens. That's the first thing that I told you a while ago. When you start following that trail, and it's going to be a hard trail, but when you're following that hard trail and, and life just seems overwhelming, that's when you find favor in the eyes of God. And it's at that moment when you don't think you can do any more. The next minute God is right beside you, lifting you up. He's always been there. He will always be there. The second thing that Timothy talked, or that Paul tells Timothy in verse five, the first one was a soldier. He paints that imagery that like a good soldier. The second thing he says is, I cannot say this word similarly, similarly, in the same way. Anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. You know, I mean, have you ever played basketball with somebody? Man, they, they don't know anything about walking or, or, or any, you know. It, it, this life is not like a, 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 just a street basketball game. I mean, if you want to win as a professional athlete, you've got to know the rules. You've got to know how, how much to inflate those footballs. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, go Broncos, go Cowboys. Hey, AFC, NFC, that would be the greatest game ever, Cowboys versus Broncos. Of course, Cowboys usually break Broncos, but not really, I'm joking, I'm joking, I love the Broncos. Athletes can't just make up the rules as they go along. And, and you know what? I, I posted a, a verse on Facebook yesterday, and I use this as an illustration because, I mean, it, it just draws out the idiots. And um, um, I posted a verse, and, and it was God's words, not mine. It was just a verse. And then somebody, but, 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 but this and this. And they, were, they weren't arguing with me. They were trying to. That's God's words, not mine. I try really hard whenever the Bible says something not to throw a big butt in there. And I cannot lie, you know what I mean? I just, we need to just keep that out of there. God says to do things a certain way and we need to do them those ways. And, and see, what we do is we go along and we kind of know what God is saying. We kind of like, okay, I, 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 God's wanting me to go this way. But I know a shortcut I'll go over here. And then we find ourselves in a bear trap and we're like why did God do this to me? And he's like well you Gunsel why did you go that way? I told you to go that way. I know but you said you'd always be there. And he's like well I'm here but you know you stepped in that yourself. See Paul is saying an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. And, and we're not talking about this isn't a form of legalism, okay? I'm not talking about that we have to go back to the old law and start making sacrifices. But, but you know, God said to depend upon Jesus for everything just as you would a trail guide through hostile territory. Quit depending on yourself for everything. How many of us are doing that? Man, we think that if we don't get up and we don't work hard, that we're not going to eat. And and you know what? There's a a point to that because the Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. But then again, is that coming from your hands or is it coming from God's? Because God will provide everything for us through our hard work. We have to know where it's coming from. But too many people depend upon themselves. The other thing that God says to do is love others and do the part that God tells you to do. It's not easy, but do what God tells you to do. And what He told you to do was love others. And if you think you are perfect at loving others, well, let's talk about self-deception for a little while. I mean, just those two things, learning to depend upon Jesus, if you get to that fork in the road and you think, if I don't accomplish this then this isn't going to happen, or Jesus will provide that for me, I mean, we can't depend upon ourselves and we're supposed to love others more than we love ourselves. How many of us will say, you know what, I'm just going to not do what I want to do so that I may give myself to somebody else. And it's tough. But that's the way Jesus said to go. He said, man, take this trail. Take the trail that depends upon me. Take the trail that loves others and you'll get to where you want to be. That's what He means by, by saying similarly... In the same way, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. You are not going to get where you want to go by trying to take your shortcuts. God says, do things this way and you'll get there. But too often we know what God says and the reason that we don't do what God says is He says, do things the hard way. Well, yeah, it's a hard life. Jesus said it Himself. There are many things in the Bible tells us to stay away from. These things are like red ripe berries that look delicious, but they lead to death. I mean, think about it. The the Bible says, Thou shalt not do this, and you shouldn't do that, and you shouldn't do this, and you shouldn't do that, and you shouldn't do this, and you shouldn't do that, but but, let's be honest, a lot of those are the fun things, right? But Jesus is saying, man, they look like really ripe berries, and they look really good, but when you eat one, it may not kill you, but you eat another one, it may not kill you, but they taste good, and you're going to start blah, 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 blah. You're going to eat a bunch of them, and it's going to kill you. He's not trying to keep you from having good stuff. He's just saying, hey, man, stay away from that, because if you continue to eat that, man, you're going to die. That's why God says that. When you train and compete every day, the Bible says it right here, you will receive the reward of God, or you will receive the victor's crown. I don't know who Victor is, man, but I bet he's got a great crown. Okay? I want victor's crown. Sorry, Victor. So he's talked about a soldier. Many of you, man, y'all know soldiers. You're sitting next to a soldier. We've got a ton of them in here. You listen to that song, man. It made your eyes swell up and sweat a little bit, and your heart beating, you know, goosebumps all over. Man, maybe you relate to that soldier who doesn't get involved in civilian affairs. Or or maybe you're more the athletic type. Maybe you were good at sports or or even good at rodeo, and and you know what it means not to be disqualified, not to miss your mark out, to not jump off sides, and nobody knows anything about soccer. So I'm not even going to make one of those illustrations. That's just a bunch of people running around kicking a ball. I don't know why I said that. But the third thing that Paul talks about that he tells Timothy, He talks about being a farmer. Now, I've seen a lot of farmers that can ranch, but cowboys don't make very good farmers. If you want to hear a couple of really, really funny stories, just go talk to Ty about the time he spent trying to farm. Thank you. How much you cost that fellow? About a million (laughs) dollars? Don't let Ty drive your tractor. That's all I'm going to say, okay? Don't let Ty drive your tractor. But in verse 6, Paul says this, the hard working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Farm work is hard, and it's hard to see the growth from day to day. You think about that. You go out there and you till it up, and you do all of this stuff back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then you go and you plant and you water, and, and every day day nothing's happening until one day you can see these little things poking through, and you're like, yes! And then, but, but you don't really, it's hard to see it growing day after day after day. And Ty talked about that earlier, uh, of how hard it is to see, to be patient, to let everything happen. Your job is to rid your life of all the weeds and rocks that choke out all the good things you want to make and make you stumble. I mean, we're supposed to hoe our fields and keep it, keep the bad things out. Do things the way God tells us to do it. And when you do this, you'll get to enjoy the first fruit, the first taste of everything God has to offer. But it's going to be hard. You're going to have to have some patience. That's why the farming illustration is so good because it, it's going to seem like it, I mean, the, the reason I can't be a farmer is because it's the same thing year after year after year, you know. But but the process is so long, and there's so much dependence on it. Man, farming is a great illustration. And 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 many of you, man, you you, you grew up on a farmer. Your granddad was a farmer, or or you were with Farmers Insurance or something. And um, y'all are, it's hot. I know. Let's summarize. We are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. We have struck out on a hard and narrow trail following the only man that knows the way. That's that's what we're doing. We're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. You're a brand new creation. We've struck out on a hard and narrow trail following the only man that knows the way. Only by following Jesus will you get to where you want to be and where God wants you to be. During this trip, we will experience spiritual suffering physical hard times, and emotional turmoil. But when we trust Jesus and follow his lead, we will find favor in the eyes of God. Who doesn't want that? Do you want God to look down and say, man, that's my boy. That is a hand right there. Man, there ain't no better cowgirl than that. Man, she ain't perfect, but man, when she gets bucked off, she gets back on, and she takes care of everything that I have her take care of. He, he does what I'm telling him to. Don't you want to find favor in the eyes of God? You can only do that by going down this trail. And it's going to be tough, I'm telling you. Don't wonder why am I suffering because God is perfecting you through the hard terrain so that when you get there, you can make a difference. So that you can go back and bring others down this trail because that's what we're supposed to do according to Matthew 28. Go and make this when you. Go out into the world, and make disciples of all men in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey what I've commanded. And I'll be with you the whole way. He's training us so that we can go back and do it again, so that we can lead others into life through Jesus Christ. But when we trust Jesus, follow his lead, we'll find favor in the eyes of God, we'll receive his reward and we will enjoy the first taste of all God has to offer. So whether you, you, you can relate to the soldier, whether you can relate to the athlete, or whether you can relate to the farmer, it doesn't matter. This trail is tough. It's hard to do. I get it. Come talk to me. I, I'll, I'll sit there and be like, yeah, man, I know. I know. Are you tough enough to follow it? I think you are. Because God made you, and He made me and he's going to be there to help us down the trail. He's going to be there when the hostiles attack. He's going to be there each and every day, and he's with us here today. Let's go to God in prayer. God, there are a lot of folks that have been wanting to strike out on that trail that leads to you, but they just haven't got up the nerve to lead that cushioned way of life and saddle up and ride into who they were meant to be. God, there are just too many people that put all their time and energy and money into trying to buy happiness with everything they are searching, when everything they are searching for is found on that narrow trail with your boy. Some have started the trail but stopped underneath a shade tree and quit. God, help them to understand that the journey is not over and that being on the trail and riding the trail are two different things. And only by saddling up and riding the trail will they find your favor, your reward, and be able to enjoy the first taste of all you have to offer. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.